0: Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing AudienceKey, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. to webcology here on wmr.fm it's the 13th of april 2023 this is jim hedger from digital always media and christine Schackinger from sites without walls it's been a busy week in the uh search world which is weird because it's also been a kind of slower week in the search world um and in the in the whole world in general one of the rare times and and and, and you'll probably see this in your uh in your um in Google Analytics and in Search Console, one of the rare times that um, three of the world's major, major religions had um, holy weeks that all coincided with each other, or or holy periods that all coincided with each other, with um, Ramadan, Passover, and Easter all happening in relatively the same time span. So if last week looks like a little downturn on your um, analytics, don't panic um it's uh well hope springs eternal um and it's probably three major religious groups checking out for a few days
1: yeah and passover is an entire week correct
0: indeed indeed yeah. um and uh again people people travel over the east over the easter holidays um ramadan ramadan is an entire month um uh, uh, Passover is an entire week. um and uh, it's one of those weeks where traffic slowed where you could you could you could demonstrably see traffic slow on the web. So it was also probably a good week to um well, I don't know if it's ever a good week to roll out updates, but <laughs> starting um today, um at least, as far as we know, according to a Glenn and Gabe article in uh, Search Engine Roundtable, Google is rolling out the um, April 2023 reviews update. Um,
1: and it's confirmed in Google as well. On the oh, yeah, it just, yeah. This is
0: happening. Um, yeah. It covers the reviews about products, services, and things. This is, what in, in the last 12 months, what are we looking at? Like, six product-related updates?
1: I'd have to go back and look, but it's probably close to that, yeah.
0: A number of them, uh, yeah. more than two, less than ten. We can agree on that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why would I I, I? I don't know if you know the answer. I, I, I don't know if I know the answer. To that. I don't know. Why would Google um, have to hit the same topic over and over and over again?
1: Well, um, there's two reasons for that. Hopefully, <laughs> one of them is a good which is a lot of the algorithms, you can't actually recover from a downturn without the algorithm running again. Even the core update, you can do a little in between, but um, you won't get the big boost until it rolls again. Okay. The other reason is they're using machine learning in a lot of these. So I imagine they don't want to roll out um, one and then just leave it sit there for a while. So uh, so the, the product review updates, there were, three last year it looks like official ones there might have been others and there's been two this year so there's been five
0: okay so Um, why wouldn't google um if 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 you can't recover from it without it running again why not just make it an evergreen thing make run the same the same update over and over and over again um google's introducing like whenever they whenever they Um, otherwise they'd say it's become part of the algorithm. This is a different, this is a different algo, a different update that's running.
1: Yeah. I think with Google in the history that, you know, you and I have been around for a little while, um, they do updates for a while and then they decide if they want to push them into the main algorithm, you -hmm. know? So I think that might have a lot to do with it, especially because these are machine learning algorithms. Um, the, not the core update, but the product update so and the helpful content update have machine learning in them so they may not want to um, yeah. rush that into a main algorithm that runs all the time because it could cause a lot of errors too they have to be really careful about these so these are tests basically
0: I I am very interested in product review updates um mostly because that's product reviews are um often user generated content um and that's a dicey area all the time there's it's very hard to standardize user-generated content um
1: i i think that they're more targeting the actual review itself that the site is writing okay so like, yeah because i'm working with a client right now so i've been going over the, the specs you know to help them rejigger their content so what aspects so, of
0: reviews are they looking at
1: uh it, it's quite extensive so i i can't remember them all off the top of my head i have to refer to the documentation because there's Um, at least like 12 or 15 items that they suggest be in there but uh, one of the things they're really focusing on is experience and that means by the way that comes from like the eeat i just want to clarify normally these are not in ranking signals they're just good ways to write content but in the product review it does look like experience is something they're hard focusing on because the suggestions they give in the documentation uh, most of them refer to that so they want like uh, let's say you were doing a, um, oh, what's a good one? So you're doing a triathlon site and you're recommending you know, gear. Well, they don't want just some boilerplate content that would say this gear is good. They want like descriptions of the gear, pros and cons of the gear, comparisons with the gear, specs of the gear. They also want um,
0: stuff that only, a, only an actual user oh, something could, that- could, could provide.
1: Let me put it this way, my feeling on it. The updates since last year all seem to focus on stuff AI wouldn't write. So um, you could get AI to write I statements, but you can't get them to write unique, innovative reviews, right? So they also want non-stock photos, if possible. It's not a requirement, but it's a big suggestion. They want you to add videos of people referring things. So if you were going to do the triathlon site. You'd want to have somebody that maybe has been to a bunch of the triathlons and either observes them or participates and then gives their personal view on it. So, um, so what, what I'm hearing,
0: you could boil down to the word authenticity. Google is looking for an authentic experience in that's in a, the review.
1: That's a great way to put it. And yesterday I heard on a, uh, if anyone knows Adam, is it Adam? Wait, Ruins Everything? Is it Adam? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Adam Ruins Everything. He put out a video about AI content. And uh, he used a very good word. He said, AI content is imitative. And so you're right. It, AI content is imitative and authenticity comes from human experience. So I've noticed a helpful content update. And then this one both concentrate on authenticity. Authenticity. That's a really good way to put it.
0: So now you mentioned um, EEAT. Um, <laughs> EEAT. Um, and the... the How's, what's the right word the um de- actually it isn't a debate in uh the 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 the, 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 the mischaracteration of it as a ranking factor yeah. in this case when it comes to reviews experience is part of the criteria that would be considered a um beneficial to the review Correct. does that would you phrase it as the experience Experience thus becomes a ranking factor.
1: Uh, in, in would, this
0: context, when you're only talking about reviews.
1: Right, yes. Um, so just to to differentiate it from what everyone else talks about with eat. Eat, um, because it has two E's for anyone who doesn't know. Eat, uh, yeah. yeah, eat. Uh, is that when Google says experience in that context, you could be like a guy who walks dogs and write about walking dogs, and that's being experienced. <laughs> someone with experience. So they're not talking about um, being like a certified expert or something. But when it comes to product reviews, the only place I know that they would apply it as a ranking signal, uh, because Google has been very explicit about the fact that the other stuff about E is uh, quality raters uh, testing guidelines, basically. Um, That in this case, yes, because they do say in the documentation to use I statements, to have someone write from a personal of view about their experience with whatever they're selling. So if it's um gonna be the triathlon, you want you know make sure somebody's used the equipment or if they haven't used it, they have another reason that they're talking about it that um adds that personal human experience to the engagement with that product.
0: Well be um I guess I I, I guess the advice is be calm. Um, There's there's a review that that is underway now. if you see a sudden degradation of rankings in the next week or so, that might be a good place to look. Um, yeah, right, now, to... right now, I mean, what would you, it, is there any signals that you would look at? You got, you got, you got, you got a number of e-commerce clients that, that, that rely on reviews in, 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 uh, on their sites. Is there anything that you would look at right now, knowing this is going on?
1: Uh, yeah, by the way, I want to correct a miss, something I miss spoke about it is experience expertise. Mm-hmm. So I was talking about expertise as well. So I just want to clarify, I wasn't just experience. Um, yeah, so the site I'm working on right now, it got hit hard. If you get hit by a product review update, chances are it's not a minor hit, you're going to get hit 70, 80, 90%. So you're looking for that kind of decline. If you see a 10 or 20% decline, you might have something else to look at. But uh, so the things I've noticed is uh, a lot of people get hit by these are affiliate sites. And Google doesn't have any problem with affiliates, but a lot of affiliate sites put all their affiliate stuff right in front of the user because they want to make money, right? But Google doesn't want you to do that. Google wants you to offer something useful to people that, you know, participate in their, or engage in their website. So people forget Google search results isn't their product. Their product is what they deliver from those search results. So if you're an affiliate site and you've got all your affiliate links at the top and then you've got a bunch of affiliate comparisons and affiliate this and then you got some content, that's not useful for users from Google's point of view. So, um, so the ones I have seen get hit by this um, and that's not everybody gets hit by this. Other sites, big sites get hit by this, but the ones I've seen a lot of it's affiliate stuff. So I'd make sure to make sure your good content is forefront above the fold, that you're talking, you know, you're writing the original content. Don't use AI um, unless it's just a guideline. And you're going to rewrite it um, and make sure you have that personal experience in there. And if, and if you can get non stock photos, get non stock photos because they've been hammering on that for about a year.
0: Well, and again, this is you want a lot of reviews from as many actual product users as possible. So make it easy for people.
1: Yeah, and this um, is different. This is the writing review stuff that I'm talking about. So yes, um, on the other side of what Jim's talking about, you definitely want to make sure that if people are reviewing your products, that they, it's original, it's, it's um, actual people who bought the product, you know, and you're not stuffing your reviews. On this side, I'm talking about the site is writing about the
0: product, not users. Okay, we... Um, this one is fun. Um, John Mueller, John, I mean, I love I, I, I when John Mueller has to come out and say the obvious and then, <laughs> and then try to make it look like he's not, um, well, how to say it? Um, John Mueller is very sensitive to and it is wonderfully sensitive to people's feelings. Um, he's actually pretty extraordinary that way because he gets hit with the dumbest questions.
1: <laughs> he does.
0: Okay. So, um, this should be, I'm honest to goodness, this is number two on our story list, and this one should be uh, straight out of the common sense pile. But, and it has to be said in in, in public, so we're gonna say it, um, and John, you you us drinks for, for helping you out on this one. Just cause the site is good now, doesn't mean it's not gonna <laughs> degrade in search quality later. And there's a hundred reasons why that could happen. Um, the site could be neglected. It could okay. um, be passing, um, what is what becomes discredited information um or um there's a whole bunch of reasons why you could decline in search <laughs> quality heck its competitors could just get better yeah. um so you... oh sorry christine
1: no go, go ahead
0: I'm well, what i'm saying is you can't rest on your laurels you've got to constantly be updating your website working on your website um adding to it um creating new content making it interesting and making it helpful Um, or, you know, your competition will be doing that for your shared audience.
1: Very true. And by the way, I just want to throw in here right now because I forgot to at the beginning. My voice is very weird today because I have allergies and we have mulberry trees blooming everywhere in Las Vegas right now. So that's where my deep voice is coming from. Anyway, um, so yeah, so when it comes to, uh, websites, one of the biggest things, especially for big companies is. They often make development and design decisions without any SEO input. So there may be a hundred ways a developer or a UX person can like create a page or program a page. And there's like two ways Google accepts that page. So uh, I always tell sites that they should really have, if you're a big company, at least two audits a year, an external audits, not internal because internal people won't notice their mistakes. It's not their fault. It's just they're too close to the product. And then uh, if you're a smaller company, maybe once a year, by the way, if you're a small business, you can write that off on your taxes as well. But uh, the reason being is there's a lot of cruft that builds up, especially with technical issues that impede index crawling and indexing uh, or parsing pages because a developer maybe puts up a, um, a JavaScript-based page, doesn't realize Google can't read it. I can tell with my crawling tools, but they can't tell by looking at it because the browser looks fine. Uh, I had a I had a developer where the entire blog was blank and they had no idea because it looked fine to them. But with my crawling tools, I could see that the pages were blank and Google couldn't read them. So you definitely wanna make sure that you just get, get those audits. And by the way, when you're using a tool that monitors your site and they give you like audit reports, that's not an audit. That's just helping you make sure that there's not like major issues like um, your links are broken or you know, your 404 pages. Uh, a real audit goes through like your entire site and finds out everywhere you could be having issues um, against the best practices put out by Google. So uh, you just want to do that to check yourself to like future proof yourself against algorithm updates. And I can't tell you how many businesses because I do a lot of, you know, site recovery. And, you know, one came to me last year and they had invalid HTML in the head and they lost 156 pages in Google because Google couldn't parse the pages and lost 90% of their traffic. Right. Cause they're a small site. So they didn't know that. So, cause they didn't have, so I came in, I audited and I found that and then we fixed it. And then they got all the traffic back in a month. So it's really important to get your site audited. So, you know, if you have, craft building up because your sites can deteriorate by all the changes that are made. And the bigger the company, the more the changes exist. And if you're not having SEOs help guide you on that, then there's a really good chance you programmed an issue and didn't know it.
0: This is especially true um, in uh, 2021, 22, 23 and moving forward. If you've been part of a migration um, or you've um, moved from a less robust platform to a more robust platform, especially if you uh, if, if 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 you've moved to like a, a headless site. There are, like Christine said, um, thousands of ways for a dev to solve a problem, but often only a couple of ways that Google wants wants to move through the problem because that this is how their engineers um, have 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 programmed for this. Um, and if Google can't read it, if Google can't render it. Um, I, I had a site recently that had this massive just big, huge chunk of uh, JavaScript that had to be downloaded with every page, every page request, you had to get this massive chunk of JavaScript, Google was spending all of its time reading and, and evaluating that JavaScript. And by the time you would get down to the content, it was already on the next page. It had to use up its crawl budget for that page and wasn't actually reading the content because it was so much script that it had to go through. Cleared that up and boom, the site was suddenly readable again.
1: Oh, yeah. Can I, can I tell you one of my craziest ones? Mm. So we were launching a site and it was a React site, which is JavaScript. And so that can go very wrong, although React has a lot of safeguards in there. And the pages look fine in the browser and I did the crawl and all the pages were blank. And we could not figure out why the pages were blank. They had rendering in there, they were doing server side rendering, so there shouldn't have been a problem that generates a static HTML. And I'm just looking at it in Google Developer Tools and I see that, that there's console messages, so is what programmers put in to like check their code. And there was an error in the console messaging. So it was creating 90,000 messages.
0: Oh my God, somebody forgot to close their message properly.
1: Yeah, and so it, and then it would drop to like 10. Because it would eventually loop through and either give up or it would resolve it, I couldn't tell. <clears throat> but so when we fixed the message, the, the error message, console message, uh, then it was fine. It, what is happening, it was taking so long to load the page because of the messages and it kept looping that the bot just gave up. It's just like, oh, I'm not gonna bother with this page, it's too crazy. So uh, so that's like kind of the things I mean, like the, the dev didn't do anything necessarily wrong. I mean, yeah, the message having an error, but they also didn't know it was looping 90,000 times. So uh, those are the kind of things that on a real audit that people can discover like you did, um, that people can discover that tools like, that like SEMrush or Hrefs or all those, which are great tools, don't get me wrong, I'm not dishing the, dishing the tools at all, but they can't tell you stuff like that. So you really need an eyes on auditor who does auditing so they can really look at your site. Now,
0: the way I explained this to the client, um, and the way that I got got them to understand it was as a resource issue. Sure. It's not that Google doesn't care about your content. Actually, Google cares a great deal about your content. That's that's Google's bread and butter. Um, But it costs a lot of money to get to that content, and that money can be expressed in um, units of electricity, we'll say when Google has um, power requirements, it doesn't um call the energy company to get a new line into its um data, into its data farm. It calls the energy company to see if they have a decommissioned dam they don't need anymore.
1: <laughs> Pretty much.
0: Um I'm serious. This is, oh, th- yeah. They did this in Bend, Oregon. They actually yeah. built a data center in Bend, Oregon because the 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 the, the power company, Oregon's power company. Was selling a dam on the Columbia River.
1: Well, in Kansas or Kentucky, I forget which one. They had to build a dam, so I totally get that, because they didn't have to build the dam; they said to buy it.
0: <laughs> um, well, it's cheaper to it's cheaper to buy a used dam than it is to build it. Everyone <laughs> exactly. knows that. Geez. Um, and so <laughs> this is this is this is the scale Google engineers got to think at, and so if they have to parse through your stupid JavaScript, think of the electricity that costs, the, the just how much, and think of that on scale like um, how many does anybody know how many how, like, websites google would uh, web pages google would try to resolve in a day
1: uh actually i have done that you know how many
0: it's got to be it's there's got to be a stat somewhere
1: there is it's, there's a stat counter i put it in a bunch of my talks and i think it's usually in the hundreds of millions maybe billions so
0: just imagine the electricity alone um just to request um, return request, request, return request, request vendor, request vendor. Um, and then don't get mad at Google for going away because it had to go through hundreds <laughs> of lines of script before it got to your actual content.
1: And uh, John has oh. actually said they only do 80 resources. So like I've done sites where I evaluate it and they have like 999 resources and Google's not doing that. So if the the, the load of your page is outside those 80 resources, um, there's a good chance Google's not doing anything with those. So you wanna make sure at least you get your DOM and everything in, in the first 80. If you've got a bunch of ad scripts and stuff, you wanna put them past that. Um, But yeah, you're definitely right, 100%. You wanna make sure that um, you don't put a heavy load. And I really think, it's just my personal opinion, that part of the core of vitals movement was to standardize metrics for um, page speed was to help get the load down because the core updates originally before they had CWVs, um, page speed was always a big part of those for any client i had and uh i think they wanted to get the amount of money they spend just down and the easiest way to do that is to get websites to lower as you were just saying their resources and their speed and their time first byte and all those things Things they measure inside the core web vitals and outside the core web vitals to make the pages faster because that just helps them a lot because they do trillions of pages a year.
0: Well, that was one reason. The other one was remember Google Google engineers plan five or six years ahead, right?
1: Yeah. They
0: yeah. plan for the web they expect to be, and part of that is the the um, devices and tools they expect us to be using. Um, for the longest time, our tool sets have our tools have shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And shrunk to now my cell phone is incredibly powerful. And my desktop computer is slightly larger than a small pizza box. Mm I remember desktop computers used to be herkin' big, assesuckers, suckers. (laughs) This one is tiny. I mean, seriously, it's it's, it's nine inches by nine inches, if even, Um, it's tiny. Google was planning for us to have wearable glasses. Google was planning for us to have wearable watches and uh, devices embedded on our bodies and our books, probably where computing is gonna be a few years from now um, with with AI added to everything. Google, I think expected us to be there now and it needed a stripped down web that could really function in your pocket on a cell phone um, rather than on the pizza pie sized uh, computers we have on our desktops now.
1: Yeah, very true. That's very true. We are supposed to be in the world of virtual right now,
0: were not we? Oh God. I was at this <laughs> conference in the in the summertime in Toronto collision, and there was a speaker up on stage. This is the same conference that Neil Patel spoke at. I, I recorded it so that you, you don't have to you don't have to listen. Um <laughs> and um uh, uh uh the speaker they were talking about about the way VR is going to be, the the how the VR world is going to act and how we're gonna interact with it. And this this speaker was so happy to tell the room. Um, I was sitting with the Hunts, with uh, Motoko and Bill Hunt. They were they were at this at the show. I was sitting with them, and this, this, the speaker was happy to tell us how we were going to have to buy clothes and shoes. Um, we were going to have to accessorize in the virtual world, and it was just, this was this was going to be very much like the real world with designer brands and you know off price brands and. There would be class systems and all of that, all this rigid hierarchy um, in the virtual world so that people working from home wouldn't bankrupt the designers.
1: Oh. And
0: that just made me think, oh my goodness, <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> be in the virtual world. And I'm kind of glad that every that every attempt to to corral us in there has um um stalled
1: for yeah, one reason well- or another. You know, and if you actually read some of the more scientific, like technical articles about the whole virtual world experiment, like Meta, is that we don't have the internet to, uh, with, can hold it right now. And it's, that internet is 50 years away or more. So if you were trying to live like in a meta universe and everyone was interacting in this 3D virtual world with virtual glasses and all that, the internet can't, can't take it. It doesn't have the capacity. So um, so we're a little bit behind in technology to be able to jump into that world at this time. So I have a feeling that was a lot of it. Plus, if you're trying to get people to buy like virtual shoes and dresses and all that, you're really talking about a very young crowd. Because um, I don't know many people our age would be like, I don't care what sneakers my character has. Um, so if you, if you can't get those people interested, and they didn't. Um, that's one of the big articles I read last week was about the fact that the virtual world failed with the younger people. They didn't. They're not interested. So, uh, so then where do you go with that? You know,
0: you know the kind of you know the kind of uh, internet world I want to live in. What's that? The kind that employs cowboys like Willie Gustafson. <laughs> now, you might know who Willie Gustafson is when I mention his name. But you know who he is, if you've been around the internet long enough, you've heard him yodel Yahoo. He was the guy who made up the Yahoo
1: yodel. (laughs)
0: And the important part of this story is he's working at Yahoo again. Yahoo has hired their yodeler. That's him. That's the (laughs) guy. That that sound was as popular as the AOL, you've got mail uh, 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 noise. And at one time, the the Yahoo Yodel meant the internet to people. Well, Gustafson is back at at Yahoo, and Yahoo is trying to be a search engine again. Um, I got a real soft spot for them. Um, They have, and the cool thing about Yahoo, they're still one of the largest content networks in the world. And they got patents. They got patents up and down both arms. They got patents like Siemens has patents. So they got a chance at actually... Being a real player, um, we'll see what happens. But Yahoo is coming what? back.
1: I really hope so because then I won't be embarrassed to say I still have a Yahoo email.
0: <laughs> wow, does that does, my... that does that go with your um, AOL coasters? Um, uh, uh, uh,
1: no, I do not have AOL. I do have a friend who does, and my dad still has a CompuServe account. That has coffee server hasn't been in business in a decade or more, I think. But, but they still they, have a they, server
0: going in someone's they room closet. They
1: have a server. Someone bought it. Someone bought it. So they have <laughs> a server going for the chance for the mail. But uh, yeah, I still have a Yahoo email because I personally, actually, I don't like email. Always Yahoo email has always filled my needs. And since I've used it since before there was a two in front of the century, um, I never wanted to migrate all that over. So I just have left it. So if they can make it cool again, I'd be really happy. <laughs> When I get my Yahoo name, it's not like I'm getting
0: AOL as an email address. Um, well, I just think this is an important thing to note. Um, we've, the, the, the web college has had a soft spot for Yahoo forever. Um, I believe that I used to own shares in Yahoo, in fact, and that was what gave me the soft spot for them originally. Yeah. But I, all is forgiven, and I really want them to succeed now.
1: <laughs> I do. And actually, I won't say names because we don't know if people are public about working there, but we do know really good people in the SEO industry that are at that company now. So I actually have a lot of faith that if Yahoo decides to put the money and resources in that direction, that they could pull it off. So I think uh, there's reasons to be hopeful. And then I can say Yahoo with pride and that Yahoo, it's not AOL.
0: (laughs) Over in the Twitterverse, uh, things got a little bit, well, it's hard to say things got a little bit weirder this week because I mean, what's weirder than weird, right? But, <laughs> um, things got screwy this week. Okay, so um, I think it started with um Elon and Fred's deciding to use a white towel or sheet or something to cover the W in their sign on their um on their building. So it stopped reading Twitter and read, um, well, titter. Which actually
1: is a word, so I think he's trying to be, like, you know, not safe for work, but Titter is actually, like, it was an older word where people were talking, so. Okay. that's the the, the, the lulz he thinks it is.
0: Clearly, that's what he meant. Yeah. Okay, so (laughs) the blanket didn't work, so they had to use white paint, so they actually painted over the W on their sign just to make it complete and finished, but he didn't stop there. He, uh, last week, he took the blue bird and replaced it with the Dogecoin um, uh, Shibitsu dog. Um, And this week, he went as far as, um, and I'm not sure how this works exactly, but Twitter doesn't actually exist anymore. Um, It's now been, um, Twitter Incorporated has now been merged with company X. I don't know a lot about company X, um, but apparently he owns company X and Twitter is now part of it. Um,
1: but it's weirder than that. So I, by the way, I don't understand corporate structures when they get this complicated. So I can't talk intelligently about why all this is, but basically he's got, he merged Twitter into X and then those into X holdings one. With X Holdings Corp, with Twitter Inc, and X Corp, he likes X, by the way, there's a thing with him. So Twitter doesn't exist as a Delaware company, it's part of X Corp, but then X Corp doesn't really exist either, and they fall under the Nevada jurisdiction instead of Delaware's. So basically, it seems like it might be a SPAC, SPAC, Special Political Action, I think that's what that means, I have to look it up and be sure. So anyways, it's very weird. Uh, it could be because he has lots of uh, issues with legal right now. So, like, when he put up that Doge um, – I can never say that, Doug. Uh, <laughs> Shib- Shibinutsu? Shib- yeah. Um, it, he's already in trouble with the Department of Justice over racketeering.
0: Oh, sure. Or
1: artificially inflating Dogecoin.
0: But that's so, Elon Musk, not Twitter Incorporated.
1: Well, I I, I, yeah, Twitter Incorporated
0: I, 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 is in trouble yeah. with the state of Germany to the tune of $300 billion because yeah. there are over 6,000 complaints about neo-Nazi imagery or um, phrasing that haven't been cleaned up by Twitter, which is in direct violation of German law. Germany has yes. warned Twitter about this many, many times until it just stopped warning them and. Um, dropped the largest fine in history. They
1: have them. they dropped the fine or is it in I, process?
0: I, read I believe that they have dropped the fine.
1: Oh, they have fine. Okay.
0: Now, Twitter's never paying them. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> that right. amount of money isn't, I mean, the amount of money does exist, but it's not going to transfer from Elon's pockets to German, uh, the German treasury. That's just not sure. going to happen. What will happen is Twitter Incorporated will stop operating as it did.
1: Let's just say, by the way, it is—they uh, have not dropped it yet. There was some reporting that they had that it's—it's uh, it's in process. So.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. okay. Well, anyway, who do you charge? Twitter Incorporated doesn't exist anymore. Right. I think that's, that's what he's doing. He steps ahead of the yeah. bailiff.
1: He's well. It depends. Germans. I Germans are pretty good about their legal maneuvers too. So.
0: Sometimes. Oh no, no, no! I don't think it's. I don't think it's just the Germans. He's not. That's just an example.
1: Yeah.
0: He hasn't paid uh, landlords on on Twitter properties. He hasn't paid pensions. He hasn't paid options. He hasn't paid. He hasn't paid. He hasn't paid. He hasn't paid.
1: Yeah, he hasn't just paid simple, like, compensation when people leave, severance agreements.
0: And so when I say he steps ahead of the bailiff, and also, has he paid? I mean, he's probably made his loans, or we'd have heard about that this time. What about next time? Um, these are some pretty stiff interest payments. He did come out in a uh, interview the other day, I think with ABC News, saying he only bought Twitter because he was going to be forced to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't,
1: I don't buy that, but that's okay.
0: <laughs> because well, he has a lot
1: of backers. He has a lot of backers. He went to get a lot of money from, and those those backers, a lot of them have interests in Twitter. So, um, but that being said, uh, that's his personal opinion. Um, but he, yeah, he's. He's trying to run a company um, without any people to run it, and then he's you know selling off portions. and the reason he couldn't he put the paint on the Twitter sign was because he wasn't allowed to remove it. So he was actually trying to move Twitter from the building that Twitter's still in. So this there, we'll never know the whole reason he's done anything until it's all done and set you know said it done and it's over. but there's a lot of shenanigans going on, especially trying to hide your corporate structure. The way hey. his time, his corporate structure.
0: and in the midst of all this he still has time to um i don't even know what the right the right way to introduce this story except to call it what it is he still has time to purposefully mess with perceptions of the media um mm-hmm. by declaring pbs um i'm sorry npr um national public radio quote unquote state funded media with the implication that npr's um, reportage reporting is um influenced by their state funding which makes me wonder why they didn't come out for trump in 2020 given that he was funding them um because it doesn't work that way but musk is trying to suggest it does with uh the the, 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 the the imprint, state-funded media, which is usually used for authoritarian media, like um, RU, which is definitely the voice of the Russian state. Um, NPR is not the voice of the American state. NPR is the voice of the, I don't know, of civil society, but not the American state. Same with uh, PBS, public broadcasting. um yeah masterpiece theater and sesame street is not (laughs) um
1: government funded yeah you want to hear something fascinating sure so i just went while you were talking to look up the definition of state affiliated affiliated media so we could quote it directly Mm -hmm. i checked that page two days ago the page is gone sorry this page does not exist anymore
0: was that twitter
1: yes help.twitter.com En rules and policies state affiliated it i have a screenshot of it the other day it's gone it's no longer there just just kind of interesting that happened in the last 48 hours
0: well it's offensive uh, that um that i I just find it really offensive that uh, uh people mess with um how to say this, I don't even know how to how to phrase it. Um, people are messing with civil society by trying to mess with the media. A well-informed electorate makes good decisions. A poorly informed electorate makes bad decisions. Um, democracy relies on a well-informed um, electorate and messing with their perception of the media is going out of your way to keep them poorly informed. Um,
1: well, yeah, I find it talk- disgusting. You no, know, I agree, and let's just talk real quickly about the funding for NPR and PBS. There's a lot of misinformation out there right now. NPR, the, the, the main organization receives 1% of its funding in grants that it applies for and competes for. So it's not getting money straight from the federal government, it's like, here you go. And state-affiliated media meant that you have no editorial control that the government decides what you report, which is 100% not true on NPR. But, but the, and then there's 5% of the local NPR stations Money's come from the government, and the reason is, is because I don't remember exactly when it was about a decade ago, I think, where the people came hardcore after NPR to get them defunded. And they had a lot of federal money at that time because they got a lot of grants and, you know, public monies because they served the public good by reporting um, pretty neutrally on most things. Um, so they decided to get rid of their federal funding, so they weren't subject to the possibility of going out of business overnight because someone pulled up funding at the Congress level, level of Congress. So they don't have federal money; they get that one percent grant. So people are like, Ban, you know, take away their funding. Well, if you take away their one percent, it would kind of suck for them, but I'm sure they're going to figure out how to cover one percent of their funding. So if they're not federally funded by any means, they, they compete with they get grants that they compete for. And and that's it. And it's one percent of their monies. so. Uh, and by the way, I just want to say I did a I did a Wayback Machine check on that page, and it was there uh, yesterday.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, NPR and PBS will not be found on Twitter anymore because um, both corporations have decided to leave Twitter. Um, hopefully, um, I don't know. If Twitter were to close and die tomorrow, I would actually be quite happy. Um, I don't don't care if there's nothing there to replace it just yet. Um, (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) the place, it's just, it is, it's it's more toxic than helpful. Well,
1: yeah, everything that Musk has been doing to it has been on the side of toxicity. So I don't like Twitter under Musk, but I would like it to maybe get sold to somebody who understands it and wants to make it a good place again. Um, There are are people that are still working at Twitter, trying to do the best they can to keep it somewhat respectable but, you know, every week there's a new change. It just makes it worse. And also they have the big uh, legacy blue check marks were supposed to be going away like two weeks ago, but then he found out it was a manual process and he doesn't have a team, but now he said it was going to be 420 but nobody knows if that's a joke because, you know, 420 is hot.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, You know what? Elon Musk just like most like most things in the uh insult of social media spaces just make it, i swear to goodness that's where these stories come up just to make us angry um and, and, and that is so social media let's go back to google for a second this one's actually really useful for webmasters um if you got pages in the in search results that are showing video results a good for you because those really stand out in the serps but if you depend on them um you should probably be aware that google um Added, added new documents to search central um, giving webmasters uh, guidance on on um, how they're changing the way they display videos in search results um, there will probably be um, well, less videos in search results the video to be to be shown in as part of the the, the, the search result the video actually has to be the main content of the page which, you know, opens a whole host of questions. How do you optimize for the video page? Um, and so, yeah, so I think Google again, being very transparent in um, what they're looking for from webmasters and and how to meet that.
1: You know, I I'm still deciphering what this all means. So, but it is an interesting change.
0: Well, again, what it, what it's going to do is if you, if you, like, you, you, you've seen a uh, uh, search results that are just like full of thumbnails of uh, video like tons and tons oh, and yeah. tons of videos. Google had this push for video. It was competing, it was, remember Google is competing against TikTok and, uh, uh, and well, mostly TikTok, Instagram, and then other visual sites. Um, so Google upped the number of videos that were being shown in, in search results, but that wasn't necessarily creating the best experience for users because you'd have this video as a uh, addition to, as an enhancement of the search result. And the video is like way at the the bottom of the page and isn't really associated with the content, but it looked good there in the SERP. That's not going to happen so much anymore.
1: Yeah, I I think that's part of, and I could be wrong, but I think it's part of their cleaning up the SERPs that they've been doing over the last two, three months. So, because they put so many features and things in there, I think their ads were getting lost, maybe. That's really the reason they do things right on page changes. But um, it is a much cleaner SERPs last
0: couple months so that might be part of that whole process so over at uh, developers.google.com um there's a video seo best practices page um google's asking that publishers go uh take a look at it and um i guess just uh 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 reacquaint themselves uh with that document um minor changes but um in it, they, they 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 spell out what they expect of publishers to get the to get the video result um, in, in the search results. A weird experiment is uh, going to be played out in Smallville, of all places.
1: <laughs> I guess that's what they're calling it, right?
0: That's what they're calling it. Well, it's not very big. <laughs> hey, you know, it fits in the size of a pizza box. Anyway, um, so. Researchers at uh, Google and, and uh, their pet university, Stanford, um, are using ChatGPT to um, create human-like characters—super, um, uh, uh, super, super uh, uh, duper um, NPCs—who live and interact in a uh, in a game called Smallville mm-hmm. in a world, Smallville. Apparently there's like 25 characters. They all have um, their own personalities and they got to interact with each other. Um, they're all run by AI and um, this, I don't know. I mean, like like anything can happen, right? Like this is like um, uh, uh, Animal Farm meets... Um,
1: ChatGPT. Uh,
0: <laughs> animal Farm plus ChatGPT plus, I don't know, Second Life. Um, Uh,
1: I think it's more like The Sims, though. The
0: Sims? Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So AI is learning how to live with itself and each other.
1: And to be human. The researchers um, inputted one paragraph describing their occupation, relationship with other agents, memories that they have, and began the simulation. They call it the interactive simulacra of human behavior. Uh, similar I cannot never say that word. And I'm a sociologist by education, and that's a big part of sociology. But I can never say it right. But um, and then they are generative agents, so they're able to retrieve information from their quote memory, which is a comprehensive record of the agent's experience. And the agents are able to perceive their environments and use their memories to determine action. Uh, it sounds like teaching AI to be human beings and interact with human beings. I, it sounds like genius.
0: wow. If only there was like, you know, some theory about reality being a simulation that we could liken this to and get all freaked out (laughs) by. Um, Pretty much. much. So that's happening. Um, At the same time, Amazon has uh, there's a new player in the uh, large um, language model space. It's uh, Amazon has. uh, entered the race with Amazon Bedrock, a generative AI-powered app that um, is available in a limited preview, but it's, um, it's what, this is, I think, the sixth or seventh unique company, major company um, in the last uh, month to come out with their AI offering.
1: Can I just say though, bedrock just makes me think of the flintstones?
0: Yeah, I got that too. I was <laughs> I was actually trying to get a Yabba Dabba Doo Yahoo uh segue, but I I, I couldn't make it work.
1: Yabba dabba doo, yahoo.
0: Anyway, yeah. I, See it's hard. They're so close. <laughs> anyway, Amazon's jumped into this game you remember when mm-hmm. amazon made made um, amazon web servers uh services available and that was a massive um that much storage space that much utility space you could run stuff in there um it, it, it sort of changed the game for small, so many small companies because suddenly it gave them a heft yes i got this weird feeling about this
1: <laughs> and right now they say they're using it for enterprise level and it's going to be for business um intelligence but we'll see what happens with their massive server play. They could really make it available to anybody, depending on the pricing.
0: Well, and that's what it comes down to. Um, AI is expensive.
1: Right. AI is
0: insane. And then and, and, and what we've seen with ChatGPT is, I think, what they would call a loss leader. <laughs> it costs more than the 20 bucks a month you're paying to run this oh, yeah. stuff. Um, so... Running AI at scale as part of your industrial operation, that's going to cost. So all the money that's, people should think about the monies that are going to be saved by replacing, I don't know, soft costs like human beings. Um, I'll bet you a whole bunch of that money gets eaten up. And just facilita- facilitating the real cost of the service.
1: Yeah, because the more people use it, like you would think the more people use it, the less expensive it would be, but that may not be the case. Because, so like you said, right now they're running Lost Leaders because they're using it to train their AI models. But if a if hundred million Americans suddenly are on there next week, that becomes mm-hmm. very, very expensive. I don't know that it's going to go down. I know people that are using some of the models for themselves like trying to develop their owns off, own off of what exists now. What exists now is pretty cheap and they're running into cost issues. Also, just uh, it's important to mention, AWS is not just going to do their own AI, but they've launched a generative AI accelerator for startups and they're working with NVIDIA to build next generation infrastructure for training that AI. So then just... I think the the big thing is going to be on the progress of this outside of just big companies doing it for reasons they want to do it for, is how many people want it and uptake it and pay for it. Because like you said, it's so expensive. If they don't get massive um, adoption that sustains, then how will they keep it going, except internally? Of course they would keep it going internally, but I mean for public use. So we'll see. But right now they're just doing enterprise business. So I'm sure it's going to be very, very expensive.
0: And well, one indeed and it and how to say this um it should be expensive um again it uses tremendous amounts of electricity tremendous amount of service space tremendous amount of bandwidth just to run it, just to run the 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 neural net um, uh, uh, uh,
1: And it is a carbon issue.
0: The,
1: we need to put that out there.
0: yeah um yeah. this is um. As fascinating as the um, crypto world was, uh, still is, I guess, in many ways for some people, um, the scariest impact of crypto for me wasn't the the potential destabilization of of, uh, uh, sovereign banks. Uh, The the, the, um, real fear was the amount of power necessary to run a crypto mine um oh my
1: gosh
0: it was it just like it, it, the, the, the 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 amount of carbon put into the atmosphere to earn a bit of green um it was yeah it was just kind of kind of kind of terrifying
1: it was because i actually did a breakdown of that one time on and i cannot remember exactly what it was but it was like to make one bitcoin with something like a house could run for 40 days. I mean, it was like insane. It might not have been exactly that, but it was close to that. It was like, a, cause they did a breakdown like on comparative to housing costs and it was in Europe. But they're like, yeah, we could run a house for 40 days to make this very small number of Bitcoin. So, um, and this is even more resource intensive than that. So the big the big thing that will foresee the future of it is how is it adopted? Will it just be an enterprise level? Tool or will it be something everyone pays for? If they don't everyone doesn't pay for it, who's gonna keep supporting it? So.
0: so um the ever after after okay, this is a change of subject. Um, <laughs> <laughs> jumping down, I couldn't find a segue for this one either, but we're we're so we're, we're time pushing like <laughs> time. I know, but we're pushing time here. Um this is another John Mueller story. Um and this is this is a strange one. So you know, when Google does an update, it have an algorithm update or a passive core update or something, and um, people who got hurt by that update suddenly hate the constitution of search results. It's all wrong. It's, it was always better when I was a kid, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I guess John Mueller was asked um, his feelings on uh, the uh, most recent, the March 2023 20, core update. And uh, someone asked him, like, you know, do you think it screwed up search? Do you think it screwed up Google, Google results? And um, again, John is an extraordinary diplomat. Um, I don't know many people who could keep it together in the face of leading or difficult questions. Um, so John's uh, 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 response, um, and this is actually, I think, really telling about about, about Google. Um, John's response is I've never seen a search ranking landing as oops, everything is wrong. Um there's always room for improvements, but nope, but um Google's teams don't see themselves as messing up search results. Um they test things like over and over and over again before releasing them to the public. But people who are hurt in uh, ranking updates tend to suddenly hate the SERPs. Everything's they, wrong. It's all Google's do. fault.
1: They do. There are times, though, we do mm-hmm. know, notice during an update it starts really bad and then it gets really good. So we do know that they pull back at times, right? So they do know sometimes they roll out stuff that's not working as they helped but i'm sure there has never been an update where everything was wrong which is what
0: john about this implies yeah there's also updates like the penguin update from what was had to be what was it, like six years ago where oh gosh no more than
1: that. really yeah. oh, we're so old
0: yeah. um where, where where google where it would take you months to get out of a uh years molasses or even years yeah the penguin update yeah. it was like two years between between two updates at one time and yeah. so businesses um and yeah, maybe they screwed up. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they just got caught in a very wide net. At this point, it doesn't matter because it took two and two years, two and a half years for Google to run the update that fixed it. So many of those businesses don't even exist anymore. Um, that happens too, and and um, I don't know of that of that kind of phenomena happening right now, except maybe around really bad content. A product I inter-
1: review. Is
0: product review, no, but they're running product review updates like, like, yeah, like we like talked about at the beginning of the show. This, yeah, this, this, right, they're running right. them that's every couple months, months yeah. now, so um, that will that needle will move. You know, that's you know, that's probably going to happen, but um, there's a con there's content updates, hopeful update, um, helpful, I should say, update. I understand if you're caught in limbo there, you may be caught in limbo until there's another update. That's
1: true, yeah, and actually. They'll actually, even if you make all the changes, now helpful content is supposed to roll every three or four months, but...
0: You got to wait three or four that. months, right?
1: Yeah, and also they will keep you on... I don't want to say sandbox is such a loaded word in
0: SEO. But but you're on probation it's, of sorts?
1: Yeah, for like 30 to 60 days. So you can't even get an improvement for 30 to 60 days.
0: Well, hold so, on. So, so you see a degradation in your rankings and you suss it, it's, it's it's my content, you do the content work, and Google um says, nice job. Let's watch you for a little bit."
1: yeah, yeah they say it's a it's a they'll suppress you. I believe it was it was thirty or sixty days in the um, documentation I'd have to go back and look and by the way, on the penguin update, you're right, it was six and a half years ago, so you're right? the last one will die
0: yeah that old
1: It felt like it was so much older.
0: <laughs> I'm younger than yeah. that now. <laughs>
1: So yeah, uh, so helpful content. You're definitely you're in a down position for a couple months before they even look at you, so to to resurface you.
0: Okay, one last story, and this one is almost like a public service announcement as much as it is a real story. Um, While Christine and I may disagree on 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 the. Long term use of AI, um, or the, the short term use of AI. I think we absolutely agree on this 100%. Chat GPT, um, don't ask it for its opinion on uh, medical advice for your pets.
1: Yeah, probably oh, not a good be- idea. Yeah, not
0: yet. Maybe, Maybe a few years from now, but not today. <laughs>
1: It's something I see the whole community, like just the world in general, but also I see a community having a hard time wrapping their heads around that it's not a search engine. So it, they, and that's why I don't like the thing Google used to this, are using as like a gimmick in search. Um, Cause it makes people think it's a search engine and it's just generative text. So it's like, I think the next word in this sentence should be yes. And the next word should be use cannabis and for your dog which I don't know if it's okay for dogs, but for cats it's not, It's it's deadly for cats. Um, you can use CBD, but you can't use cannabis. So so yes, don't use it for important information. Like we reported last week, the Guardian has articles that people are citing that they never wrote because chat Ch- 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 B- just made it up because it's generative text. It's not going out, getting database information and bringing that information back like the search engines do. It's going, I trained on a trillion documents and the next likely word in the sentence will be this and then the next sentence most likely would be that and I'm going to string it all together and I was trained to sound human and confident. So you'll believe me because I was trained as a chat bot, right? So that people would believe what I say and they would interact with me as a human. So just, just keep that in mind because do not get your important information from there. And if you don't know a topic, don't use it to write the topic because then you don't know what's false. Again, and most if... people find anything's false in most things that it writes. At least one or
0: two things. If you are gonna use ChatGPT as a research tool, and I urge you to, use it to find trailheads and be aware some of those trailheads may lead nowhere.
1: Or to your death.
0: Or to your death, yeah. You you gotta be very careful (laughs) following them.
1: I I live in the desert, so that can happen.
0: But it it can provide you very, very accurately and very, very quickly with hundreds of trailheads. Not all of them may be accurate, But it's a starting point for actual real research back when i was back when i was a student we used to have to go to the library and go and again pull the cards out because it's before the internet and we we would get (laughs) many 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 false leads and you'd have to go pull the book from the shelf read the paragraph find out that that isn't actually what you needed and put it away again ChatGPT has brought us back to that world, except it's eliminated the hours and hours and hours you needed to get all those leads in the first place.
1: But as one of our former presidents used to say, "Trust but verify." Oh, indeed, uh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Take yeah, those get- leads and research the hell out of them, but do your research. Don't have, don't, don't have ChatGPT do that. Re- do the secondary research, because that'll get you in trouble.
1: Yeah, it's because it's not research. <laughs> Other th- one thing you can really do it though, do well on is you can take things that and assemble like a uh, bunch of research articles and you can have it summarize those and it will do good as an assistive device. It's just not a research tool unless you're using, like Jim said, as a, as a like a breadcrumb lead and you're going to go <clears throat> check out all those things to see if they even exist because the poor guardian is like, we can't give you that article because we never wrote it.
0: You know what Miranda Miller's doing? She's she writes a lot of fiction as well as writing uh, 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 the, the the marketing and the um cop the the writer the sorry the nonfiction copy she writes. Very cool. She uses ChatGPT to outline characters. She gives a couple of traits and ChatGPT will pull out um, dozens of other traits that might go with this kind of person.
1: Well, that's great that's really interesting yeah and that can, it can do because it's trained on trillions of pieces of literature so it could pull back the most likely you know character but I, I hate saying pull back. it's not pulling back it's generating text based on its training
0: indeed um and so it is really useful for things like that yeah. but again that's fiction it's known to be fiction it's 100% <laughs> or, known to be not true
1: or things where it doesn't matter like if you were sending in a job application, I'm terrible at cover letters and they don't ask for them very often, but sometimes they do. It's like, write me a cover letter based on my resume. It's good at that because it can actually, you know, it's just looking at your one piece of information. Although
0: and I'm going to say straight up, edit that cover letter yourself. Oh, edit it, yeah, yeah. Edit definitely. it because it, if it comes edit. on my desk, I'm going to run it through.
1: Yes, yes, that's the thing, right? You have to do that with the expectation that could, that could happen in anything you do. But just make sure you know that it's if you write with it, edit it. If you're going to use it for quote research, then make sure you verify everything. Yeah.
0: And if you are going to write with it, um, be aware that the people who are reading your writing will check (laughs)
1: 100%
0: from now on. um, People are going to check to see if this was your stuff or if you got a machine to do it for you. And um, depending on what those words were going to be used for, Currently, judgment will be harsh. I don't know how things will be five years from now, but today, I'm 90% sure that judgment will be harsh if you try to fob off a machine's writing as your own. Okay, on that, um, we've gone full (laughs) clock. Yay! Um, (laughs) So, on behalf of uh, Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM on the 13th of April, 2023. Be good, be nice, be kind to each other, make good pages, rank well, and uh, be well. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Bye everybody.